I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hey there, hello leavers and believers, and welcome to Leaving Hillsong. I'm really excited that you've decided to spend time with us today. My name's Tanya, and today we're going to continue a conversation with Laura. Laura Hamilton was a student at Hillsong College, and we had left off last week with her describing her arrival at college and some of her experiences and we had left her where Hillsong Conference, the annual conference, was approaching. Laura was also interviewed by Rich McHugh for Business Insider and Hillsong made a response to that from their newsroom which has been posted and named Laura and responded to some of her claims that she had made in Business Insider and Laura has very kindly addressed those issues here. So in part two of A Cult Within a Church, we talk about more of Laura's experiences at college and she really saw a range of things as well as all the factors that led up to her decision. And then the issues in Business Insider and there's just so many pieces of gold in here. Laura also talks about what kind of costs there's been about speaking up or how she feels about other people doing the same thing. So stick around. There's a lot of good information 
for former students, potential students, current students of Bible colleges like this. Here's part two of A Cult Within a Church with Laura Hamilton. Yeah, yeah. So I'm feeling a sense of depersonalization. I'm coughing all the time. Uh, I'm getting really over the attitude of other students or the attitudes. Yeah, the the kind of pyramid structure of the whole leadership thing, the oh, the networking environment was exhausting. There was there was a lot of name dropping all the time amongst students and you know, stuff like, oh, Nigel Hendroff looked at me the other day. <laughs> stuff like that. Just constantly trying mm. to create associations between themselves and what students would refer to as the famous people, you know, the Darlene Checks and the Ruben yeah. Morgans yeah. and yeah. all of them. <laughs> so getting a bit disheartened, sick of being broke, sick of living on one cappuccino and one sushi roll a day <laughs> yeah and oh that's that's right. not good that's not funny at all I mean that's these are cult techniques these are things you read about in the moonies or you know really restrictive cults where they exhaust you you don't get to eat enough you don't get to sleep enough you're overworked you're disorientated uh yeah and I have hmm. actually read 1984 by George Orwell is <laughs> one of my texts in English in year 12 and I'm not trying to say I'm super smart for comparing Hillsong to 1984 at all but I could just sort of see systemic parallels if that's a term yeah just the sure. effect of being so exhausted all the time that you didn't really have an opportunity to assess what's happening to you yeah. or to become aware of the system that you're in if that makes sense yeah it was just getting a little bit the sheen was wearing off and Hillsong Conference began to draw quite close and it's all hands on deck at that point once once church starts gearing up for for conference gee I feel like I'm back there already I'm using the lingo <laughs> they do their six hot weekends thing which is I think it's the six weekends that lead up to Hillsong Conference right. and also during that time students have to do internships and that's basically just to get through all of this work that otherwise wouldn't get done because of everyone shifting their focus onto Hillsong Conference. So I didn't really feel like I'd you know uh, forged any kind of relationship of professional relationship with any pastors or people in leadership at all who I felt comfortable in approaching about getting an internship and they, they they put it on the students maybe it just saves them work by transferring that responsibility onto students but sure. in any case I think the the language around it was that you've got to put yourself out there and and uh you know make it happen kind of thing so yeah I was like well I don't know um you know I haven't gotten a PA position or I'm not I'm not cleaning floors at I don't know so-and-so's house mm. <laughs> at that point I was really strongly considering not continuing you know maybe staying in Sydney and trying to go to uni or but yeah, I, I was uh, just a bit sort of disheartened and money was such an issue. I felt really bad about the idea of my dad forking out for another semester. So it was, yeah, just getting to be a, a lot of pressure. In all honesty, Tanya, I remembered your interview with the hack on Triple J in 2005, oh. um, which I had listened to. And we did, we did talk about this earlier. That was um, my first interview 
2005 on Triple J, Steve Kinane ran this show called Hack and Hillsong Conference was coming up and he asked, was there anybody out there who had had experience with Hillsong they wanted to talk about? So I rang up and he said, come into the studio and that became my, my first interview and stuff. So a little bit nostalgic, right? Sorry, continue. But yeah, that had really stuck with me, that that interview. And in particular, the part about where you had approached Brian and Bobby for an interview for a book that you wanted to write. What was the situation? They really fobbed you off, didn't they? Uh, well, I wrote to them and that's when George Agajanian wrote back and said, uh, we don't want to participate in your book um, and please refrain from attending Hillsong ever again because you cause significant disruption at Colour Your World. And it's like, to me, I was like, but Brian and Bobby were your pastors. Like you'd grown up in their church. You'd been with them for years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I just and wanted I- to give some balance, like to, you know, let's let's look at this then. I was so naive. Um, let's look at this then and, you know, we can all have some input. No. So what do you think happened? I needed an internship. I didn't have one. I didn't know anyone. I thought what might happen if I email everybody, <laughs> the whole leadership team. Okay, I enough. had I had that firmly like in my mind what had happened with you. And in a way it was sort of like, you know, if I do this thing, and it turns into this big, horrible controversy, then that'll just make the decision super easy. Yes. You know, if you can't, if you're going to a church, I know it's a mega church, but if you're going to a church faithfully serving, etc., and you can't even just send an email to your own pastor and, and or, or, or to any any leader, then there's something wrong. It's a red, yeah. a red flag. Yeah. So, you know, it was definitely a bit of a provocation and I was feeling rebellious. So I did send this big batch email. (laughs) How'd it go? I just was very brief. I introduced myself, you know, like it was a cover letter. My name's Laura Hamilton. I'm a WACA student. I'm looking for an internship opportunity, you know, maybe something uh, preferably within the creative disciplines, but, um, you know, I'm open to anything uh, you may require. contact details uh Mm -hmm. off it went okay so later Mm -hmm. on a few days later I'm in my tutorial and by that point I had Tina Brown as my um my tutorial leader and Tina Brown reprimanded me in front of the whole group oh no what how she thought that I was using aggressive tactics to to seek a Come on, tell me that isn't sexism. If a, if a male student had done that, tell me that wouldn't be called initiative. Yeah, see, I didn't even think about the gender aspect of that. I just thought, oh, it's because I'm a lowly year one whacker student. But there you go, yeah. So in that moment, the thing with me is I'll be um, fairly level, like in the moment, and then maybe I'll go off and cry in the toilets or whatever. But I just went... <laughs> You know, Tina, I'm happy to talk to you about this, but I don't know if it's relevant to the rest of the students. So perhaps we could wait till after class, <laughs> which I don't uh, think. I don't think that went down very well with her. <laughs> yeah, you know, no, humiliation is such a favourite tool there. Yeah. So, but I just, yeah, I just kind of doubled down, and I was like, 
I want I want an internship opportunity or else I'm not going to be able to get my special Hillsong College passport signed off. <laughs> well, I mean, it's what you pay for. It's part of the course, isn't it? You have to do an internship. Yeah. So, so. and the thing was, like, I sent it to everybody, like everybody. I don't know if it included, you know, the board or whatever. But, you know, it resulted in me getting a, an internship with Bray Batten in the um, Hillsong College Lovely. offices, yes. compiling material for coursework. So it kind of worked. <laughs> because it was initiatives. Fantastic. That's great. So, yeah. So I was doing this this internship and it was, you know, they, they, it was great little desk job, coffee run in the morning and I'd get a coffee included in that too. But honestly, the whole, the response from my tutorial leader left a very bad taste in my mouth. And um, I remember telling my parents about it, you know, they themselves had been worship leaders or actively involved in music at one of the great big AOGs in Melbourne, huh? you know, buddies with the senior pastors and all of that so you know when I told them about that they were really shocked and they were like what does it mean if if you're going to get in trouble just for sending an email you know at the most it could be someone could just say oh you know what don't bother Pastor Brian <laughs> you know something like that not a big disciplinary yeah, yeah. and in front of everybody yeah that's the but yeah, looking back now and just knowing what I know about the Hillsong culture, I feel like, you know, I was doing something bad still. And I'm sure that people listening yeah. must be cringing, thinking, oh, she emailed Brian and Bobby and everyone else. <laughs> well, it was, I mean, it was early days. It's not like now where they can walk on water and stuff. Like it was still. Yeah, I don't think they'd branched out into the US quite at that yeah. point either. So I did the internship and then Hillsong Conference starts. I'd expressed an interest in doing hosting again, like what I'd done at Colour, Colour Conference. Yeah, the mm -hmm. dynamic within, because a lot of those, that same team had been put together because we all got on so well and we'd requested to be put together. The dynamic was just so different and I could tell that the way that they structure those teams at the the big arena which it was called Acer Arena at that time I think it's called Qantas Arena now so they would structure the teams a bit more being that it was such a, a large venue so you'd have section leaders for like a whole like a big huge block of of seating and then you'd have little sub leaders which that's what I was so I was kind of like I was on the door really okay. directing people to which side of our section they had to get to and I just noticed that the leaders who were like one rung above me were super stressed out they were getting really grumpy with you know those that were under them and it just didn't have that same vibe that color conference had I got buddied up with another student we were we were both in the same role and it was this was a student who I hadn't met before and I think he was at college because he was a local I think he might have been from you know like the southwest campus or something like that and he was at college because I think his parents wanted him to do it but he was super cynical of Hillsong which is really funny but it was mm -hmm. honestly the best thing for me at the time because he just wasn't willing to do the sort of PR talk about Hillsong. He'd been going there for years and, yeah, he was <laughs> starting to get over the the corporate consumer thing that was very present. <laughs> I remember at one point we were lining up to get lunch. So the lunch that and, and dinners that they'd put on 
for students at Hillsong Conference at that time were just frozen pies, one frozen pie for lunch, one frozen pie. Oh. But yeah, so we're queued up waiting to get into the volunteers diner area. And this this student, he's leaning against what he thinks is the wall in the concourse of, of the arena. And then well, it, it turns out he's leaning against a door and Reuben Morgan opened the door and he <laughs> fell in. It was actually the worship team's green room. <laughs> <laughs> so he falls backwards into this worship leader's green room and he just went, ah, oh, famous people. <laughs> and all of them just looked at both of us with just utter disgust, I thought. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> he didn't he didn't care. So yeah, I just I found Hillsong Conference that year to be soul destroying. It was getting onto a chartered bus at 6.30 in the morning, getting bussed over to Homebush, and I would be there all day for the day conference and the night conference, bussed back home. I'd probably get home after 10 o'clock. It's incredible that they're able to get people to do this. Uh, Oh, and they say, like, you're going to be really tired, you're going to want to give up, it's not going to be easy. We all feel that. We're all going through it together. And, in fact, I think the conference volunteer T-shirt might have even said we're all in this together or something like that mm. on it. (laughs) Uh, Commie. Yeah. (laughs) It's just, yeah, I mean, when you're paying a lot of money for an education, yeah, it's it's literally incredible that they can get people to do this en masse and year after year they were doing it. I mean, we think it's cut right back now since all the complaints but it's the yeah common story I was really really tired and and that year Hillsong Conference I reckon it was probably at its peak because they were going to be running back to back conferences they had conference one and conference two so you know you do Hillsong Conference from a Monday to Friday I, I think it kicked off on the Monday night and then finished on the Friday night and then you'd have your weekend and then you do it all again the following week so I was going to be on for conference one and conference two and it was getting it was like the middle of conference one and apart from hosting in the main arena um, I was also hosting in the some of the music stream electives so yeah this on this particular day in the sydney showgrounds i was hosting a session with the lakewood church worship team so it was people like israel horton hooten israel houghton Mm -hmm. yeah so it was with israel houghton and cindy cruz bradcliffe and i imagine a few other lakewood people and me and the team got everybody seated and they kicked off the thing. And then I just found myself wandering off into the showgrounds. I was really tired, really sleep deprived, hadn't really been eating very well or very regularly, I, I think. And I just walked out and I went and found a park bench and went to sleep in the, at that point, deserted Sydney showgrounds. And I think it had even been raining. So, you know, it was all wet, but I was so tired I didn't care. And then when I, I, I got woken up by the sun's rays bursting through the clouds and I just remember feeling so down. And I think that was purely a result of being so tired and so broke, mm. really stressed out. 
malnourished, tired, yeah, exhausted. And I just remember like sitting up and like just thinking this is not sustainable. This is not healthy. I don't even feel like me anymore. I don't have time to be me. I don't have time to be. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I did the rest of the conference. But by that point, yeah, so tired, so vague, so stressed. Yeah, I just really, I, I, you know, I felt that my, as a person, I had become diminished. That's that, horrible. That's Yeah. Horrible. So I woke up on the Saturday, the Saturday after conference, one finished. And in a way, it was like I was on autopilot, but I just woke up and I just said to myself, I'm getting out of here today. I'm going to go home to Melbourne. Okay. And? Yeah, rang my grandparents and I said, can I move in with you? I want to move in with you and get a job and go to uni. And they were like, oh, God, yes, please, leave us. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what I did, packed up my car. By that point, I had my licence and I did have a car. And, yeah, drove down to Melbourne. I I did have to come back because I had belongings that I had to collect. And that weekend, I think it was probably weekend just after conference too and Kenneth Copeland was in town uh, and he was going to be speaking yeah Sunday night church I got there a little bit before things got started and they were actually expanding the convention center auditorium and um you know adding extra rows of seats to the floor section and what whatever and you know in the I'm in this 3,000 seat auditorium and I just started to feel claustrophobic I've never been a fan of Kenneth Copeland. I just had this really strong sense that if there truly was a God, I didn't feel like he was there. I felt like he was everywhere else but in there (laughs) and I had to get out. (laughs) Yeah, it can produce quite a kind of traumatic fight or flight response and you just got to go. I just, I felt claustrophobic in this huge room and I just had to get out. So I walked out, I went down to the Norwest Business Park and sat by the lake and looked at the fountain until it finished and then hitched a ride back to my parents' place. And that was the end of Hillsong for me. I just, I knew that when you leave church, you know, you can't take anyone with you. It, it's really difficult to maintain any friendship with anyone who's still there. Mm. So I just disappeared. What did your parents say? Well, they were like, we get it. We know that college hasn't been easy. And and they had been becoming disillusioned themselves. That was more to do with sort of the friendships that they had formed. And they found it, the culture to be very materialistic and very elitist. There really seemed to be a them and us kind of mentality. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, they didn't mind that you dropped out of college. No, no, they they were, you know, I think they were partly happy that they didn't have to keep paying for it. <laughs> but they saw how tired I was, mm. how underweight I was. Like I was, yeah, the thinnest I've ever been in my life. <laughs> Thanks, Hillsong. And you wouldn't have you wouldn't have been able to spend a lot of time with family and stuff oh like no, that. and and you know that that's not just a Hillsong thing. I think that's the Pentecostal way. You know, there's got to be a program for every age group, every age and stage of life and every every demographic have to have their own little thing. So, you know, when you've got three teenagers at all different stages of teenagehood and they all have their own youth group and 
they all have their own little programs that they're doing. There isn't any kind of family togetherness. I don't know when you would get the chance to do that. That's interesting. That's, Maybe on a yeah. Wednesday night. Okay. You've got <laughs> well, all these different age groups with all these different commitments. People don't have time to sit down and talk about what's actually going on. And, uh, yeah, I don't know how my parents did yeah. it because they had their own connect group. I had mine. My brother and my sister were in separate you know, youth connect groups. I think they called them RDGs. I don't know how they coordinated it all. All right. And then you went to Melbourne to the grandparents and you went to university. I went to, I went to film school. Yeah. And that's, that's that. That was the end of it. Fantastic. I mean, uh, looking back, regrets. Have you got a few? See, for a while I was thinking, oh, if I had have just kept at it, you know, I could have, you know, I could have, I could have, become more involved in Hillsong I could have tried to survive I could have done the degree you know because I was I was starting to get some interesting opportunities as well but I also I just sort of stopped caring I didn't want to support that it's exhausting. It's exhausting. Yeah. yeah it's so difficult to maintain that level of enthusiasm and commitment and determination and motivation and And honestly, I thought that what my life would look like as a Hillsong college student was that I'd spend most of my time on the beach, you know, like surfing and whatever. And then I'd go to church with, you know, sand stuck to my feet and whatever. But when you're out in Western Sydney, yeah, not really possible. You, You can't do two services in the morning, drive off to, I don't know, the city beaches or whatever, and then come back in time for nighttime church. Yeah may as well just hang around well it's true you may as well just hang around by the time you do something else during the day it's time to get ready again yeah well I mean the second Sunday morning service would finish you know on lunchtime and then you'd have several hours before you've got to be back there again for the night the extra special thing about you coming to talk to us today on leaving Hillsong is that you are the second person named in the response uh, to a Business Insider article that Yolandi was discussing in the last couple of episodes called You're Going to Be Cleaning Fours. So you came forward at that time in 2020 and um, great to find out what you think of the response as well. Yolandi clearly had a lot to say. To be, you know, it's really great that you've, you know, come forward to coming to have a chat with us about what you think about what the Hillsong newsroom had to say so they start with another former student laura hamilton says that during in quotes intensives she was told what we're going to do over the next three weeks we're going to tear down everything you know about church everything you know about the bible and everything you know about god we're going to tear it down and then we're going to rebuild it would hillsong like to explain this and that was put to them and their response is, uh, you know, equipping and, and ministering to students to lead in contemporary culture. It's known for innovation. Many of our students enroll specifically to experience and learn from an innovative faith community. It's fair to say that in certain subjects, the material covered will cause students to reevaluate the way they've thought. I mean, that sounded like the army. That's kind of what the army does to you or any decent uh, cult kind of thing. Um, they're calling intensives a common term amongst those who work in post-secondary education, but we realise that maybe unfamiliar 
to people outside, intensives are condensed courses focused on one subject that takes place over a few weeks rather than in weekly lectures spanning months. And the number of instruction hours is the same as when the course is offered. So what you got to say about that? I have experienced intensives in other tertiary courses and um, I don't think that the point in me bringing that up is that they call them intensives because it sounds like it's going to be intense or because intensity is sort of the, uh, you know, what it is. <laughs> it's not so much that. It's the indoctrination uh, element of what took place during those in intensives. I'm sure Hillsong would say that they don't aim to to indoctrinate, but what I got out of those was that the point of them was to re-educate you in the way of Hillsong. They, they'd say things like, you need to learn and use the language of the kingdom. Brian okay. and Bobby have created this culture. And you know, there's a lot of, I'd say, slogans that go around at Hillsong that everybody knows that people use all the time. Jargon, yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm sure we could all think of several of them off the top of our heads right now. You know, things like that, language that you don't necessarily hear outside of Hillsong. And it's it was basically a, a way to introduce you to that way of life and how to how to live within it. I, I felt at the time that, yeah, it was about reshaping students in their own image rather than playing to their own backgrounds and strengths and, and gifts and that that kind of thing. So, yeah, it wasn't, I didn't take issue with the fact that they called it intensives. Yeah, I just really feel like that was a bit of a strawman argument. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, Hamilton. So it's interesting, they call Yolando Yolando, but your Hamilton said as part of her time in college, she had to vacuum the auditoriums, which may seat thousands at college every week, which took hours is this standard practice at Hillsong College or part of the education? And they've responded by saying when Ms Hamilton was a student in 2009, Hillsong College involved all students in helping to run and clean college facilities for without speaking with us. It's impossible to guess why it would have taken hours each week to vacuum. You're a bad well, vacuum. Can I just butt in and say uh, you've got a 3,000-seat auditorium, so <laughs> there's the first clue. <laughs> it's your vacuuming. I don't want to sharpen that up. Students say they're expected to do volunteer work, response to that. They say it's a core value. They volunteer as part of their faith experience. It isn't surprising that students who are studying ministry and leadership are often enthusiastic volunteers in their faith community. Uh, all right, and it's, you know, tailor, we facilitate tailored volunteer opportunities for our students. Did you find that? So uh, I want to I want to head back to the very beginning of their response because they talk about the Australian Skills Quality Authority or ASQA and yes. they talk about so there's a sentence where it says we welcome the involvement of ASQA because the practicum element of our program adds invaluable experience in ministry and leadership. Okay, so yeah. like what. Yolando was saying practicum should be to do with what you're actually studying you know the the purpose of your course so yeah for for me as a, a music student the choir totally relevant helping Ray Badham compile his coursework for for the his college course yeah absolutely relevant but 
Yolandi cleaning toilets all day, every day at conference. And, and you vacuuming, I mean, that's that's just, can I ask as an aside, with the cleaning things, was that equally allocated to men, and well, male and female students, or were more women kind of given those domestic duty things? So I actually recruited a couple of people to help me out on my session because initially I was on my own. Both of those people were boys or men, I should say. They were both male students. Okay. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say that that there was gender disparity when it came to that. And they did employ a okay. full-time cleaner. She did happen to be female. But, yeah, she was, that was her job. She was there every day. But, yeah, look, I can't say for sure whether there were more men. From my point of view, actually, I think there were probably, I, I personally observed more men involved in cleaning. You know, it, I didn't feel like it okay. had, um, yeah, a gender bent to it. <laughs> um, all men cleaning the better I mean you never see men getting excited because of toilet duck was really working that amazing on the ads and stuff so I always like to check Hamilton, <laughs> Hamilton says Hamilton says she had to attend up to 13 services a week 13 and was asked to donate money at each response and there's is Ms Hamilton is most likely referring to attending services across multiple departments and ministries in the course of a week a voluntary offering is a standard practice for christian church services and the same is true at services for hillsong congregants since we are aware that many students regularly attend services we make sure that there isn't any pressure to participate in the offering additionally we provide our students practical guidance on sound money management including charitable giving giving so they will be empowered to make wise budgeting and expenditure decisions as future church leaders, Hamilton, what have you got to say? All right. Okay. I feel, gee, I feel like I'm an authority on something now, you know, with just my, my surname. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> Hamilton 2005 says. Or there be a musical about me or something. That... <laughs> Look, the other thing that was happening with me internally uh, at that time is that I had come to disagree with the stance on tithing. So I... See you later. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a problem. The opinion that I formed was that, you know, it wasn't biblical to require people to give 10% of their, their income. I, you know, after consulting the scriptures, <laughs> no, what I, what I Crazy. got out yeah. of it, You did what? You read the Bible. Oh, see, that's another thing, you know. <laughs> I, I, there's a lot of people that think that it's their role to keep Hillsong College in check. One of the things I did notice as time has gone on, we were encouraged to go home and pray and read your Bible. And I've noticed, you know, it's been some years, but the shift has gone along with the language all being about church. There's no encouragement to actually read a Bible in a Christian church. They you know, use the verses that suit them at the time. They ask you to pray for certain things, for Hillsong and God and the kingdom. And But, yeah, that kind of go home, pray and read your Bible thing just never seems to happen. And, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but when you do, things happen. Uh, mm. Well, yeah, you, you find stuff, you form your own views about things. And the view that I had formed at that time was that tithing was to do with you know the the uh, the kingdom of Israel. You know, at the yep. time, many yep. years ago, many yes, I don't know, several thousand years ago, and it was the taxation system paid through the temple. And then I 
it, it was you know whatever each household had whether it was money or some other form of value livestock grain that kind of thing and that it would then be redistributed so I had a problem with that being interpreted as mm -hmm. something that you've got to to do or else God's not going to bless you. I really didn't like that. Yeah, and pretty tough. I didn't have any money and Hillsong always say that you're not obliged to give. You don't have to participate. There's no pressure. It's only if you want to. I accept that, but there is peer pressure. You know, there's pressure to just okay. Flick through your Bible quickly and find the verse they've told you to find. <laughs> and it's not that anyone's saying, you know, you're a real loser because it took you forever to find the book of whatever. <laughs> no one's going to say that. But mm -hmm. it's it, there's a strong culture in any any church. So, yeah, you feel, you feel like a, a loser if you can't pull something out of your wallet when the, when the container comes past. You've got to call it a container. You can't call it a bucket, we were yes. told. <laughs> yeah i mean at every thing that you attend 13 times a week even connect group even at espresso yeah, okay. wow. everything so yeah it, it it was and i i i accept that you know the average churchgoer who's not a student isn't going to be in 13 different things every week but yeah for a student to to be constantly under that kind of pressure. I I ended up just keeping a stash of, you know, the little envelopes where you can put your, you can either put the money inside it or you can mm -hmm. put card details on it. I just put put empty ones in the mm -hmm. in the container. But I remember when they did their little heart for the house, you know, their heart for the house thing, the miracle mm -hmm. offering. And I think they do that just before conference. For a while, I, you know, I thought maybe this does work. You know, maybe if I sow into the kingdom, God will bless me tenfold or however many it is. And I put the handful of small change. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That I happened to have on me, which was all the money I had in the world at that point, chucked it into the bucket. And? It didn't come back to me. Tenfold, no. They, they tell stories like when it came to re-enroll for college for the next semester, they said, oh, one guy, he didn't know how he was going to pay for it and he pulled a credit card that he thought, you know, he'd maxed out out of his wallet and he scanned it and it worked. You know, they tell stories like that about these miracles, these financial miracles. Well, that sounds like a financial nightmare because now he's got credit card debt, but okay. Well, yeah, not great. <laughs> yeah started costing a little bit more than money hey because uh business into well he'll sort of paraphrase bill's business insider hamilton says she got chronic bronchitis while at college 
and she believes it was from the smoke that was pumped in from smoke machines during the services. What's the response? And Hill's song says, in production events of all kinds, fog is usually regularly used as a production element to enhance the colour to enhance the colour of stage lighting. At Hillsong, we often use this element during the music portion because that's, you know, so traditional church kind of behaviour, smoke machines. Ms Hamilton's assertion that smoke in a Hillsong service gave her chronic bronchitis is unfounded. Okay, so thanks for that, Laura. Been great talking to you. Maybe <laughs> talk to you. Our records do not indicate that she made any complaints, raised any concerns, or asked for any accommodations due to production elements during her time at Hillsong College. Her file does indicate that she was absent from some of her placements due to illness during her time as a student. However, none of the details in her file indicate that these absences are related to her allegation of chronic bronchitis due to fog machines used during a portion of a Hillsong service what's your problem what's going on oh what what is my problem well it, so first first off I think the language that they that's being used you know smoke being pumped in that makes it sound I don't know sinister they're just smoke machines or fog machines <laughs> and my understanding is that smoke of, of fog from machines um theatrical fog or smoke is not it's not harmful it's not carcinogenic you know it's not known to give anybody cancer so you know not trying to say that smoke machines are the new asbestos or anything like that uh, I think it's you know for me it it was an environmental irritant one of my neighbors yeah. happens to be a fire engineer and I had a bit of a chat with him recently like since this follow-up from Hillsong was brought to my attention and I just asked him I was like is is you know respiratory irritation from artificial fog or smoke a thing and he said yeah absolutely it's a known mm -hmm. thing it's not you know unheard of and there have been studies about it uh, you know no, nothing that connects it that I know of to any serious medical conditions but the the issue with it is that and it depends on like what material is used to generate the smoke you know sometimes it can just be oxygen or it might be a substance called glycol and I think that's the one that's most commonly known to cause irritation okay but yeah, there have been several studies that have looked at the effects of repeated exposure to theatrical smoke amongst Broadway performers and yet found that it could it could cause dizziness, headaches, dry throat, coughing, drowsiness, tiredness. And yeah, uh, it, uh, there was there's been one that said that it can irritate the mucous membranes, which of course does lead to watering eyes and coughing and that kind of thing. And I'm sure not everybody experiences but, that but yeah I think do you let them know at the time that it was a problem you know I don't recall going to anybody well what were they going to do stop yeah. using them yeah you know I figured this is what they do here this is part of their process you know they're not going to change it. although one thing they did change was that I happened to point out that the microphones on the stage for the choir weren't real and they got <gasps> rid of those I think, yeah, the, well, look, the word on the street was that they were just props. Wow. Yeah, touching heaven, changing earth, changing your song. <laughs> it, it's bad that you have to defend your own kind of claims to 
to health ed um i mean how do you feel about these responses overall that they've given the things that you've said it really so for me like to be painted as uh, i suppose deceitful or attention seeking or you know as someone who's not telling the truth in the global press by an enormous institution mm -hmm. with award-winning musicians and all of the stuff that they do to be questioned publicly by that you know great big machine that we call Hillsong doesn't really feel very very good and yeah I understand yeah. that if you criticize an organization they have a right to respond but you know beyond what they said about me I mean, imagine what it must be like for people who have had far worse experiences than what I had, you know, people who've been actually, you know, abused by mm -hmm. really high up leaders. You know, it's a really small glimpse into yeah. their world. Yeah, and it's been consistent throughout that response that they've been vague and not really address the topic at hand and then just say no it didn't happen or yeah or just pick yeah. one little aspect of something that you've said and argue the toss with that when when it's really not the the main issue i didn't expect them to like that but at the same time that's that was my experience i did have to change from voice to to guitar while i was there you know as my main instrument because yeah, i couldn't yeah. i couldn't keep it up i couldn't keep up all of the the singing while experiencing those kinds of symptoms you know it's 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 fine you go to a rock concert how how often or any kind of concert maybe several times a year but every yeah. single day yeah. of the week okay um, all right so this was going on every day the smoke machines oh yeah so and and even in in chapel at college now the thing with chapel is that it's a learning opportunity for students so i understand that that you know they've got to train people how to on how to put on you know the show and all of that but it's just a really unfortunate reality you know that if you happen to be sensitive to air particles or whether it's humidity it, well it, i'm thinking about people with asthma i wonder how they do yeah yeah yes, exactly. and that's a common thing uh what makes you different why have you put your full name out there uh to make these statements so so it's a claim that i'm making so that claim has to be attributed to me you know okay. it can't be attributed to business insider or their parent company or anything like that that's my understanding sure i mean i don't like it in terms of where did you get your courage from where so you know as andy was talking about there's hundreds of students that have had negative experiences that they talk about uh but they're not all that willing to to be as upfront as you i mean what kind of advice can you give them all right so when this article was being written and when it came out it was in 2020 and just prior to that a group on facebook had formed for former college students and that was a truly unexpected event to me for me because when I left, mm -hmm. it was 2009, I dropped out on my own. I actually, you know, I ended up getting contacted by some friends after I left. They came to Melbourne to hang out with me. I, you know, I suspect they wanted to try and bring me back into the fold. 
didn't happen and I just faded out but yeah I went through leaving Hillsong deconstructing you know my faith and all of that completely alone I didn't have any counsellors I didn't have anyone to support me I didn't have any friends who understood what I was going through yeah didn't even didn't know anybody who had left Hillsong I did actually read your book Tanya Mm -hmm. when I left (laughs) but yeah I was by myself so when when this Facebook group started up I thought oh hello yeah welcome welcome to the world of leaving Hillsong Mm. (laughs) yeah so it was really early days and since then there's just been this explosion of of media and podcasts and YouTube videos and across the board when it comes to social media of people sharing their deconstruction from you know cults and mega churches and everything in between I really didn't anticipate that the speaking out wouldn't continue beyond us okay Okay. that article because you know what you said when you spoke to Yolandi was that there really haven't been very many others who've come out and spoken yeah 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 I I thought no this is just the beginning and more people are gonna want to share their experience and you know, because it had been such a delayed thing for me. I just was mm-hmm. like, wow, someone wants to know what Hillsong was like for me, whereas in the past no one cared. <laughs> no okay. one wanted to Yeah, know. yeah. People think it's just a kind of like, oh, you don't go to that church anymore. Yeah. Or, you dropped out of that course. Yes, and I also think that, uh, you know, I felt that the response would be why on earth would you have gone there in the first place? What's wrong with you? And I think that that's something people are painfully aware of it's that Mm. people are going to perhaps criticize them for having even been part of something like that in the first place Mm. you know they're going to that that I think people are afraid that they're going to be judged as unintelligent or gullible or emotionally broken or vulnerable having gone to a church and what would you say to people like that like what if that's some kind of why is there that stereotype and well, doing? I think evangelicals became very unpopular in the, you know, last couple of decades of the 20th century and especially, yeah. or, you know, it, I think it really peaked in the, the noughties, you know, uh, and we also, you know, there were people like the new atheists who were really, really against religion at all and evangelicals and Islam were their big targets i Mm -hmm. think Mm -hmm. the documentary jesus camp i think was a really great look into an outsider's perspective of christians for me at least have there been uh have you experienced costs like yolandi has from having your name out there next to a hillsong complaint no not at all okay and for me you know i have maintained a job freelancing i don't believe that my you know professional face has any link any clear link to having spoken to to business insider and um, um and i mean to be fair yolandi bosch and laura hamilton are, are very different names as uh you know you're not probably as easily googleable or checkable i've got a super common name there's a lot yeah. of us out there <laughs> well, that's useful but i mean even still you know i know that journalists have still got a hold of you so you know it could be a thing out there so you know how would you encourage other students to do what you've done is 
what I'm so look there's it's a really like it's a multi-faceted issue because there's the you know the embarrassment when you when you've decided to leave and I know a lot of people look back and they go how could I have fallen for that what was wrong with me but I just want to say there's nothing wrong with somebody who has pursued the truth or Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. the truth some kind I think that people who become part of churches they want truth they want to be truth seekers and they want to become part of a community and I think the unfortunate thing is that people just end up believing a truth that is acceptable by a community so you know I I think everybody wants acceptance wants community and so I think that people who have left church communities they see secular society as their new community and they don't want to be rejected by that yeah I think people want to be taken seriously and sadly there's not a lot of empathy you know just in the world in general there's not a lot of empathy for Mm. people who are evangelicals or part Mm. of Hillsong because yeah I think in Australia Hillsong are considered to be a problem for election outcomes and stuff like that so it's a a very cynical country here I know the Americans uh for example are a lot more faith-based culturally than the uh, uh, conservative really but uh, kind of cynical against you know a big flashy religion here in yeah. Australia you know I have most definitely been criticized and made to feel you know like an idiot by people who mm. to me represent progressive secular culture mm. you know members of my own family and that is kind of off-putting mm. yeah <laughs> um, okay that makes a lot of sense But I think for me, something that has really helped me is that I've actually started to look into the artifacts associated with that aspect of my life. I'm, you know, I'm most likely not going to go back and listen to sermons that I would have heard back when I was, you know, part of part of it all. But Mm-hmm. You know, I I find it in a way weirdly cathartic to go back and sometimes listen to some of the music, not just Hillsong, but other contemporary Christian music artists and, you know, worship music artists as well. Because what, what it's like, it's like kind of opening up a part of my history that I had shut down, which I did do for many, many years. And so being able to reconcile with something that was once really important to me has really helped me to become more comfortable with, with sharing my experience, you know, publicly and with people that are in my life today. And I just have to sort of expect that they're not necessarily going to take kindly or be particularly empathetic. Mm. I actually, I don't know if you ever watched that TV series from Paramount about Waco. It's a oh, I yeah. know Waco's story. I, yeah. And initially, I just thought, oh, the Branch Davidians were, you know, really, they were freaks. Whatever. I didn't have any any empathy for people that were in that system and I you know I don't have respect for many of their beliefs and practices but the show is empathetic towards a lot of the people that were in that system and that was a new way of thinking about things for me I hadn't ever come across any any media that was kind to people in a religious context yeah yeah and that's been that you know there was that real swing with atheists uh, coming out strong, I guess, in the late 2000s and then 
yeah, it's been pretty brutal since then. There needs to be a better a better way to have conversations. Uh, there's just too many people with, you know, strong faith or, you know, investments in spirituality to just kind of write everybody off. So it's a shame. Yeah, and I think you can look at, I guess, the evangelical industrial complex and all of the the media that's associated with it, you know, preachers and sneakers and, you know, people like Jim Backer and we look at people like that who have had these very public downfalls and who we can say are, are really hypocritical. And I think people who are leaving church or want to leave, they don't want to be associated with that. They don't want to be made to feel like, you know, just a bunch yeah. of yeah. hicks or hillbillies or that they're not intelligent. And, yeah, I mean, talking with you this afternoon, it's clear how, you know, intelligent and thoughtful and insightful and investigative and all kinds of things you are. I know it didn't take you long for the kind of the, for you to want to get out into the fresh air, but still, you know, you had some involvement there and you sound pretty, pretty above average to me. Um, so, oh. <laughs> shucks. you know, I didn't want to just do this to set the record straight and stick it to Hillsong and, you know, oh, okay. say. but it's more about, I, I, so I think that because of Hillsong's response to that article, I think that people really probably recoiled and people are really afraid yeah, of yeah. the NDA thing as well. And have you got one? Did you sign one? I signed a lot of papers when I joined, but you know what? Well, the question you have to ask yourself if you've gone to Hillsong College and you don't feel happy about your experience is, did you get what you paid for? Yeah. I mean, my question is, can someone please get in touch with the list of the people who've been sued or, you know, had actual action taken against them for breaching those NDAs? Because I cannot find that list. Yeah. And I, th I think imagine somebody who had been mistreated or abused in some way at Hillsong College, can you imagine what it would look like if Hillsong sued them for talking about their experience, well, their own experience? Exactly. And you I know, mean, they would then have to go under cross-examination, which means, you know, the complainant would get to subpoena all kinds of documents and files and things. So, I, you know, I can't see it happening. I'm not a lawyer, but... Yeah, and more would come out. And I do understand the need to protect, you know, intellectual property around, you know, individuals, you know, business things, you know, stuff like music licensing or royalties or oh. whatever it is. Yeah, that's, you know, that's one thing. But it's not like in, in talking about my own personal experience with this organisation, it's not like I'm not telling, I don't know, where one of their, their famous musicians lives or anything like that. <laughs> You're not selling any secrets to the Russians from what I can tell? No. And... Nor, nor would anyone really be capable of that kind of thing. So, I mean, do you know what I mean? I don't know that Bible college students get security classifications so high that they need to sign corporate NDAs I, you tell me I, I don't know yeah well I, I don't know is I, I is is paying for something and then getting a bung deal is that a business well yeah I mean why is that not what do they call it like consumer affairs or fair trading or 
the other thing is that like in in any church like a church is a community and someone's gotta clean the floors someone's gotta clean the toilet someone's gotta i don't know wash the cups after mm. morning tea or whatever they have but i don't understand how that can function in a healthy way in a mega church because mm. it is a commercial enterprise whether or not it's classified as that yeah the consumerism demands a certain number of personnel to make it happen they couldn't have done any of their album production yeah yep. without yep. a huge huge team of people and i mean when i've watched their behind the scenes dvds or videos or whatever about how they put their albums together i'm just always amazed gobsmacked by just the amount of people the volume of people yeah. that they have there doing all sorts of jobs you know it's just so sorry to use this word it's so extravagant <laughs> well and they probably won't even get a free album out of it who knows who knows it, it's you know I, I, it's problematic i don't know what the answer is you know i really really don't know i wouldn't want to have to try and figure it out that's okay it's not <laughs> your job. no it's good to ask the questions you don't have to have the answers uh it's kind of what you went to college for in the first place i think anyway I, I want to be able to emphasize the importance of people speaking about their experience mm -hmm. just because it it didn't happen you know people got really passionate about sharing mm -hmm. things privately in our private facebook group and then it just kind of died down i don't know if it's directly related to the response that the article got but i really felt like it wasn't people didn't take kindly to me for having done it okay didn't realize you know, that all right in terms of well people in the group were critical of it people they wanted to argue the toss about the smoke machine thing as well mm. <laughs> and yeah i don't know i can't help you there it's a thing there's studies about it yeah it's yeah it's i'm sorry like i'm not making it up that's what happened yeah I, people are at so many different levels of deconstruction as well it's interesting isn't it so yeah i do often find that on one hand while you're speaking against hillsong or your church whatever it is you can and and i notice this in a lot of other people kind of turn back around and start defending them and it's it's confusing mm -hmm. yeah i i think there's there's also the spiritual aspect or element where you don't want to be responsible for tearing down the church or sending people to hell for undermining their faith mm. or anything like that but i mean for me i was already halfway out the door when i got there i think because i didn't agree with prosperity teaching <laughs> didn't agree with the word of faith movement or yes. their yeah. interpretation of speaking in tongues which it's not openly practiced in your average hillsong service anymore but in college mm. it is it's much okay. more okay yeah i i feel in a lot of ways like hillsong college is kind of like a cult within a church or a cult within a cult that's lovely i like <laughs> i like that thank you thank you so much for sharing this i um i really hope i really hope it helps a lot of college students to have every question on that response spoken to by the people you know that it was addressed to and here you are still alive and kicking so you know 
what can I, what else can I ask you? What can I tell you? Yeah, well, look, I think once you have broken through the whole idea of trying to please them or outdo them or be on their radar, it just sort of stops mattering because outside of yeah. church, you know, it's not, it's, it's like two worlds really. Outside of that environment, people don't care. It, it, they, yeah, it's kind of like sort of like being in love, do you know what I mean? Like you, that that person is might be your whole world, but to everyone else, it's just another person. Once it's over, it's over. <laughs> in the end, I just remember one night I was at I was at this prayer group in a house, their own sort of house church meeting. It wasn't something Hillsong told them to do. It was independent mm-hmm. of Hillsong. They just happened to be Hillsong students. And it was this, you know, very Pentecostal prayer worship free worship, lots of prayer. It wasn't led by any one person. I think they wanted to recreate Azusa Street or something like that. And I just remember one of the, you know, well, they weren't leaders. They were definitely ringleaders. One of the ringleaders of this thing was praying earnestly with a group of people for a MacBook, (laughs) praying that God would bring my MacBook. Have Have you never done that? Sorry. Okay. <clears throat> Back in the day, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, but... well, where do you draw the line? Where does anyone draw the line when, you know, it's that prosperity word of faith stuff when, you know, anything. And I, yeah. And I just, in that moment, it was just, I just stopped and I just started observing what was going on. And, and I just thought, you know, all of these physical objects that we obsess ourselves with, you know, MacBooks or whatever, whatever it is, mm-hmm. they don't really matter. You know, if it's if someone's starving and in a crisis to the point where they've got to sleep on the street, you know, why are you doing this intercessory prayer thing? To Steve for, Jobs, yeah. For a mm. MacBook. I mean, go get a job, call, call daddy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm. I, it just really left a bad taste in my mouth and it was just so deflating, really, really mm. underwhelming. And I just realised this is, it's all about just trying to get things, trying to get what you want. Mm. It's not about serving God. It's not about helping people. It's not about observing the life of Jesus. It's about materialism. And on so, yeah, that sorry. note. No, and on that note, I mean, that's, that's a very clear summary. People people do need things. People do need to eat. People yeah. need to have phones and computers and cars. But, uh, you know, camels and eyes and needles and things like that. Yeah, I just think if if you're, um, I don't know, why don't you just act like it is what it is instead of a spiritual pursuit? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that's what a friend of mine used to say. Just that's fine, do your thing, but don't call it Christianity. Call it something else. yeah thank you laura you're awesome thanks tanya talk to you soon have a good one bye bye Uh, empty envelopes huh no pressure to give though huh Ooh, got me there thank you so much for spending time with us today i that was a real eye-opener i think all around thanks to yolandi and laura for 
really giving us a look at what Hillsong Bible College can be like. And of course, the invitation always remains open for people to come and tell us great experiences, tell us the success stories, but I won't know them unless you get in touch. Of course, if you've got a story to share, by all means, get in touch. Like I'll tell you a random story. There's a podcast called We Can Do Hard Things with Glennon Doyle and it's kind of a Brené Brown kind of focused audience and it's a really great podcast and they've got like just a few thousand downloads more than we do but they've got 2,000 more followers because no one wants to uh no one wants to put their name to follow here so there's that added there's that added kind of factor to this as well which makes it all really interesting so many people want to stay anonymous and so it's difficult to know if people want to speak they don't want to speak if asking them is offending them or like not asking them is offending them so just reach out and get in touch and we can chat thanks as always so much for your support thanks to my patrons and patreon you are the stars in the sky in this little podcast world there's a whole bunch of exciting work and content ahead so sign up to patreon or drop by PayPal, both in Leaving Hillsong, to support all the work that's coming up. It's pretty exciting. And don't forget to like and share and follow and send on to anyone you think might benefit from this. Look out for news on social media and, and be kind to yourself. There's lots more ahead, so be kind to the people around you and... Just keep leaving Hillsong. Thanks again, Laura. Talk soon. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.